This is Felt Recoil. Welcome to the Felt Recoil Podcast. This is episode number 102. My name is Chris, and across from me is somebody new. I fired Patrick because he got really annoying and never said anything clever or smart. Just kidding. Uh, Patrick's on the road for work, and so sitting in is, I guess we'll call you the new team member. I don't know if that downplays you enough and makes me sound important or not, but if it does, that's what I want to go with. Uh, This is my cousin, Micah. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now get out of my house. Uh, Micah is my cousin by marriage, but I feel like it doesn't have to be that way. We could be blood. He's a good fella. I'm going to give a little rundown. Uh, on everything I know about you, and then you basically give me the broad overview of your resume because you're an interesting guy. How old are you now, Micah? 26. 26. And so uh, within just a quick 26 years of life, you are a military veteran. Yes, sir. Uh, of which branch? Navy? Air U- Force? U.S. Army. Coast Guard? U.S. Army. All right. Uh, Army vet. And uh, how long were you in the Army? I did six years. Six years. Where all did you go? I uh, actually just stayed here in yeah. Greenville, just Army Reserves. Oh, okay. So, yep. Six years running around South Carolina uh, with the Army Reserves and now uh, selling houses to people. Yep. Uh, got out of the Army. actually started real estate when I was actually still in the Reserves, so I've been in the real estate business doing residential real estate here in Greenville, South Carolina, going on four years now. So very thankful for uh, the business that I'm in and um, absolutely love it. And so. one, one thing that's cool about you that you might be too nice of a guy to point out is, didn't don't I remember correctly, you, you had to get your parents to sign paperwork so you could go in. Absolutely, right? yep. Uh, I kind of, at 17 years old, was kind of looking at the Army as a ticket out of home and that's just the way I was treating it. Little did I know all the good that it would bring to my life. So very thankful for that. But yes, uh, recruiter sent a nice big uh, folder of papers for my mother to sign, and uh, I thought that was going to be the hardest thing, um, you know, to get through to her, just to have her agree to sign the paperwork. And, right. Uh, Actually, it went way better than I expected. So very thankful for that. So glad to have their support uh, with me. Uh, going into that career right there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, out of the Army, into real estate, <laughs> but still an avid gun guy. Absolutely. Uh, I think you buy a gun a week, it feels like, sometimes. Yes, my credit card would agree with that, yes. <laughs> now, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna spur something on you that occurs to me we need to go through before we hop into the topics of the week. Um, but we do a thing around here when we meet new people. It's called One Question Five Times. Are you familiar with this? Nope. Okay, so I'm I'm putting you on the spot here. Lovely. I could have warned you, but too bad now. Um, I'm going to ask you five questions, all right, and each of them is a one-thing question, so one question five times, meaning what is the one firearm you think everyone should own? Definitely the FN 509C. The 509C? Yes. Really? Okay. Yes. Why is that? If it fits my fits my hands perfectly, I love it. It's a double stack magazine. It's just very reliable. 
uh, just gets the job done. Is that your everyday carry gun? It is my absolute everyday carry. Okay. Yep. Because I think you have every iteration of the 509 at this point. I do. Right? I have the 509 midsize, um, about to get the 509 tactical, and um, that I cannot wait for. Um, but, yes, I definitely big FN fan right here. But De- 509C is definitely my everyday carry. It's my, probably one of my most reliable firearms and the 503 where do you fall on that fence 503 i haven't i've held it haven't had a chance to shoot it yet but uh just it's kind of you know it's kind of like when you meet somebody (laughs) new within the first (laughs) five to ten seconds you kind of figure out if you like the person or not right you know those first impressions really do go a long way same with firearms you know you just got to hold it touch it feel it make sure Right. It, it could be a good uh, tool for you. And, you know, after those first initial 10, 15 seconds, I was like, I just... I, Get out of my face, five. We were, we were not clicking. <laughs> the chemistry was not there, so uh, to speak. So, I love it. I love yeah. it. Okay. Um, what is one book you think everyone should read? Uh, definitely Unbreakable by Tom Shea. Um I have not finished the book yet, but I am currently working on it. Uh, uh, Tom Shea is former uh, Navy SEAL chief, served with uh, Team 10 and Team 2. Um, and I believe he spent close to 25 years with the SEAL teams. And the the book just, the book was um, actually encouraged by his wife who wanted him to write uh, basically a book for their kids just in case he were to never make it home. So that way his kids could still have a chance to know their dad. Oh, wow. um, so it's a, it's a very powerful book. He talks a lot about your inner dialogue with, you know, each individual. And it's not just a book of, you know, him telling all his, you know, crazy war stories and everything that he experienced, but he takes every example and he relates it to just what people can do in their everyday lives, just normal people. It doesn't matter if you work in a grocery store or if you work in law enforcement, you know, it's, you can take the principles that he is, you know, um, communicating through his book and you can use it. Anybody can use it. And that's one thing I love about it. So what do you think is the one album everyone should download oh man uh definitely a pearl jam fan yeah um, yep yeah, so like a 10 pearl jam fan yeah uh, some, i'm probably more like a cuts. probably more like a seven or eight somewhere <laughs> along those lines you know you got to keep in mind i'm only 26 so yeah yeah yeah. i hear you <laughs> what's the album from pearl jam great question um Give me just a second here. Yeah, open up the old iTunes here. Huh? Yes. See, isn't it funny? This will show you an age difference, see, because my kids don't know what albums are, right? Right. And I tell them, oh, albums. Now, in my day, you had to buy a CD, you'd get the cover, and you would sit down and you would read the lyrics to the songs, who wrote the songs, who produced the songs. You would know everything about the album including the title of the album and the, right. the name of every track on the album. Yep. But nowadays, you hear a band has a new album where you discover an album or a band you'd never heard of before, and then you download it and you never really look at it, right? You just right. keep rolling. So you know the songs and you know, oh, yeah, I like this. But to know the names of everything, is it's like phone numbers. It's just not a thing you, you know much Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Definitely, uh, back to that, it's just, uh, album 10, mm-hmm. uh, definitely favorite song, Alive. Yeah. So, 
All right. Okay. Agree. Disagree on that one. All right. All right. I've always thought Black. Black is probably one of the greatest songs of all time. Okay. All time. I love that song. But I, 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 I like Pearl Jam to a degree. Um, I like that album a lot, too. Uh, let's see. We did Firearm, 503, right? Mm-hmm. The book was on... Unbreakable. Unbreakable. And then Pearl Jam's 10 is the album. Yep. And then um, what is the one movie you think everyone should see? Uh, that's a tough one. Braveheart, Mel Gibson. Yeah. All right. Easy. Easy. Uh, okay. And then bonus question. Okay. Uh, what's the one piece of advice? And so this might not... I don't know. Yeah, you still have to answer. It's on the list. What's the one piece of advice you would have given your 18-year-old self? You can walk back eight years ago and say, hey, you. Hey, Chitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, in a few more years... Uh, Man, no, you know what? That would have been about the time I married your cousin, right? I think it was actually yeah, a few years nine, before nine that. Nine years ago. Yeah. No, we got, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Yeah, she and I got married nine years ago, so you'd have been... You it's were just been that getting, long already. You were just getting into the military when she and I got married. Yeah, I think it was a year before, actually, if I'm thinking I remember uh, coming to your house, knocking on the door, and... Hey, cuz, you know, it's legal and uh, made myself at home. There that, we go. That didn't really happen. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that had been you back then. So you can, you can walk back eight years ago and look at yourself and you say, listen, when Chris comes and says you want to be a part of Felt Recall, just say no. Or is there something deeper <laughs> that you would have advised yourself of back then? Yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> this might sound super cliche, especially with any um, firearms advocate, but, you know, aim small, miss small, so. Yeah, there you go. You know, again, super cliche, but, you know, that's not per se just within a firearms realm. It's just everyday life, you know, if you you set small goals, you know, just you're not motivated, that kind of stuff, you know, obviously the results aren't going to be there, but, you know, you aim small, miss small, so. Be specific in your intent, and things will work out. Absolutely, I got you. Yep. All right, I like that. All right, so let's. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but just know that Micah is here. He's going to be a permanent member of Felt Recall moving forward. He's the third man now. Uh, you're going to do some blogging. We have feltrecoalshow.com. We have the blog up. It is live. We have our first post called the Democratic Charade. I hope you'll go read it. It's a great thorough breakdown of very important things about the history of racism and political party in the United States of America. It's a deep dive into a topic we covered on the, a couple episodes ago on the show, but we hope you'll go there and read it and watch for Micah's forthcoming contributions and then YouTube videos coming as well. He's going to help us knock some of those out um, and, and get that ball rolling. So that's the intro. Anything we left out that you'd want to add? No, sir. Looking forward to it. Very happy to be a part. Felt recall. Definitely looking forward to some exciting times in the future. We'll take a quick break. Coming right back, we're going to talk about uh, our home city. I don't live in it. I live just outside of it and never have I been more thankful than that. Greenville, South Carolina, mandating everybody wears a mask now or you get fined. So it's going to be, you're going to have a hard time convincing me now that this isn't just a desperate money grab by government at this point. Uh, But face masks are now required in the city of Greenville, South Carolina. I have a Sam Adams quote for all of them to consider. We'll tell you our charity of choice, how you can back the blue. We'll talk about what happened to that Atlanta police officer last week charged with murder now 
for shooting Rayshard Brooks. Unconscionable charge. Brett Favre is on the docket. Uh, Atlanta police calling out in mass numbers. Uh, a mass shooting in Minneapolis. We had one in Charlotte last night. They're tearing down the statues. They're, gonna, they're just going to take us to our knees and rebuild the ground. They say it was all of it. Coming up next on the Felbury Gold Podcast. Back to the Felt Recall Podcast, uh, live, re, li, recorded live. Yeah, that's the way it's recorded live every uh, every Monday. So there's new episodes every Tuesday morning wherever you like to get your podcasts. You can also find us on all the socials, and you can read our blog at feltrecoilshow.com. Feltrecoilshow.com. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Okay, that helps us. It helps other people find the podcast. We appreciate you doing all of that. Uh, in just a second, we're going to get to uh, our home city of Greenville, South Carolina. Our city council has voted unanimously, I mean, not a spine in the bunch, uh, to require masks for basically every citizen of the city. It's so stupid. It's 1984 all over, man. 19 Again, in case you don't know, you can have emphysema, heart disease, you can have a serious medical problem, but emphysema uh, specifically, you can have. You can catch coronavirus, and 95% of the time you will survive. Emphysema. That's like serious, serious business that kills people in and of itself. You can still get coronavirus, and you're most likely going to survive. Exponentially, most likely you will survive 95%. And people are so panicked about it, and it's all a power and money grab. We'll dive deep in just a second. First, I want to tell you about this week's charity of choice. We try to bring your attention to a good cause every week. It's a free podcast. You're not spending anything for it, so you might as well put your money to good work. And remember, remember, if you give to charities, the government can't take that money from you. You get that back out of your taxes. That's a good thing. Anyway, I'm not sure that this one's a tax write-off, but it is a good way to spend $10 and feel great about what you're doing. It's a back-the-blue bracelet supporting the legal defense of Officer Garrett Rolfe. He is the police officer who shot uh, Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, what, about eight days ago at this point, I believe. And uh, it was a good shoot by all accounts. The video says so. Every other police officer in the country says so. Anyone not a racist says it was a good shoot. This is uh, a confrontation that turned violent in the parking lot of a Wendy's. Rayshard grabbed the other officer's taser and uh, attempted to shoot an officer with the taser, and Officer Rolf um, returned fire to, to end the threat. It was a threat to life for both the innocent people there in the parking lot and those two officers. So for 10 bucks, you can get a back-to-blue bracelet uh, you'll have a nice little fashionable piece on your wrist. You can show support for law enforcement, kick back against the tyrants that are out there trying to tear them apart. There's a link for that on our Facebook page. Just go to feltrecoilshow.com, click our Facebook icon, it'll take you over there, and you can support our charity of choice. Okay, here we go. Uh, Micah, before I dive too deep, um, I, I always enjoy offending the person right across from me. So any chance you're on the COVID train, is is 
Is the coronavirus frightening you every day as you go out? Because your life has been wrecked through this, right? Like real estate, you guys are having to do like 3D walkthroughs and yes, pretend those people don't creep you out on the regular anyway, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been it's been quite a quite a journey. 2020 has been a very interesting year just to begin with. And then coronavirus hit. And of course, yeah, it has, has definitely affected the real estate business a good bit. So, um, market's still great though. Can't complain about that. It's just people, we have to go along with all the social precautionary measures, whether we agree with them or not. Right. Uh, if if we don't, yeah, if we don't agree with them, we just kind of look like, you know, jerks, but yeah, yeah, like we don't care, but that's me. Yeah, one big jerk <laughs> running around town. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, definitely not on the whole COVID train. It's uh, there's definitely some m- much larger stories and agendas and work um, for sure. So, I take a sick pleasure right now in taking my kids out and about around town, and none of us are wearing masks. And then when they ask what all the freaky people are doing, I explain in no uncertain terms that people do whatever they're told when they're afraid. Oh, yeah. I love saying that to my kids in front of grown men wearing these masks. And my son says, we're in Home Depot. Dad, why are they all wearing these masks? And we're waiting in the line. And I go, because when people are afraid and they don't know what else to do, they do whatever it is they're told. And the lesson here is be a leader. Be a leader. Learn to stay calm, learn to think coherently, and you can lead the sheep all you want because that's what's going on. I'm, I am so, and I don't begrudge anybody for wearing a face mask because I do know there are people out there who legitimately have some sort of ailment and they need the face mask. Right. And I get yep. that. But dude, you're a healthy 30 year old man in Home Depot wearing a mask, running around worried about a stomach flu. Like the, like the minute I talk to you and we're decent human beings towards each other, you will keel over and die from leprosy or some weird <laughs> plague that suddenly grabs you. It's just not happening. To the degree, we had a girl post locally. <laughs> it was great. She's like, look at the whole floor. Look at the whole floor of the hospital I work at. Look at it. It's all COVID. It's all COVID. The whole floor is COVID. Hey, dummy. They are quarantining the COVID patients on specific floors. Of course, the whole floor is COVID. That's right. where they're going. Yep. That's like saying the sky's blue. Right. And the majority of those people are going to survive and walk out tomorrow. Stop acting. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Anyway, if you're not, I apologize. Be safe. Whatever you think makes you safe, feel free. But please, at least look at the numbers. At least look at the numbers. You're at a above 99% survival rate if you don't have a pre-existing condition. My grandmother has Parkinson's, and she's just moved here recently. She's getting her daily care from my mother, and she had to go to the hospital last week uh, for a couple of issues. She spent two or three days up there, and they never even tested her for COVID. They just treated her and sent her home. It can't be that big of a deal. like you know, Or maybe right. they're like, eh, she doesn't have long anyway. I don't know what their thought <laughs> process was, but they sent her home, and, and they never even tested her. So... I digress. The point is, uh, let's stop panicking a little bit. Let's get back to normal because here's exactly what I think is happening. This is a power grab and it's a money grab and it's making the government bigger and the government loves it, loves it, loves it. I have said this for years and I hate when people say that, so I will forgive myself. But anyone that knows me has heard me say at some point that Greenville 
is the 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 most loving small town for big government. They like to pretend like they're conservatives, and everybody wants to act like Greenville is the buckle of the Bible belt. But Greenville exemplifies big government and bromance government, if you can call it that, because all they are are a bunch of just career politicians. Knox White is the mayor of Greenville, and he's been the mayor of Greenville since I was in high school 20 years ago. 20 years ago. We were at church not so long ago, and was it city council or county council? They brought one of the like governing bodies in and introduced them, and everybody started applauding in a church. And I turned to my wife, and I was like, what is going on right now? Like, it's I really awkward. I really think I need to get a whip and start flipping some tables over, Jesus style, because this is not where you belong. And this certainly isn't where you get applauded because you're the government and you are antithetical to everything we try to do here. They're all, they're just such big government people. There is no greater example in recent memory than these two things. First is this passage of the ordinance that now requires masks within city limits. Second, please remember. When Black Lives Matter took over downtown Greenville, South Carolina, they called the police department and said, we will not get a permit to protest, but we're coming. And make room for us, and do not kick back, or we'll let everybody know how racist you are. This is what they did. This is what they got on TV and said they were going to do. And then they took over our downtown, and our police put their hands up. And we're like, all right, cool. I mean, you do what you got to do. Now, I say, let's go do that here. Let's run downtown, no masks on, and then cry foul when they come and arrest us. Well, you didn't arrest all the other people. Right. We heard this was fair game. Yep. Now, wait a second. It was fair game for them, but not for us. Now, why is that, you think? Hmm. Got to scratch your chin on that one. All right. Anyway, we know. All right. Uh, Greenville City Council. Uh, I'm on WSPA.com. Greenville, South Carolina's City Council has voted unanimously to require masks for employees and customers of some businesses within city limits. The emergency ordinance requires all customers to wear masks or face coverings inside grocery stores and pharmacies. Employees of restaurants, retail stores, salons, barbershops, grocery stores, and pharmacies will also be required to wear a face covering. So, uh, back up. Uh, easy version. If you are a customer in a grocery store or pharmacy, you have to wear a face mask. If you're an employee at a restaurant, retail store, salon, barbershop, grocery store, or pharmacy, you have to wear a mask. The ordinance goes into effect Tuesday at noon. Uh, so basically, just so you know, they pass this around 6 o'clock on a Monday night, and it takes effect at noon the next day. The ordinance will allow uh, or will last for 60 days unless it's canceled earlier. If you fail to comply, you're going to be fined $25. If an employee doesn't wear the mask, that's a fine up to $100, according to the ordinance. So go that's back. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> go back to work, please. Please drive our economy and pay taxes. You do remember, by the way, and I've said it here, when they started shutting things down around here, it was very much money-driven as well, because Correct. What, what was the first thing they shut down? Churches. Right. And what do churches not do? Pay taxes. Yeah, that's right. But they allowed all the tax-paying businesses to remain open with restrictions, because, well, well we got to make some money. we got to keep padding our pockets. We Absolutely. we keep looking like we're doing something important, even though we don't. Uh, the ordinance passed 7 to 0, by the way. Uh, anyone unable to safely wear a mask or unable to remove a mask without assistance is exempt from the ordinance. Yeah, all right. I just challenge, if you're in the Greenville area and you listen to this, I, I hope you just refuse to wear the mask. I would pay the 25 bucks. I'd go to court, 
so that the judge could look at me and say, you got to pay the fine. And I'd go, yeah, 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 uh, this is stupid. And just have my day in court for my 25 bucks. And then I'd probably point out, here I am to pay my fine, but how much has this cost the city? You bunch of dummies. Like, bringing me in and right. letting me argue the citation, which you should have a right to do, by the way. Absolutely. All right? Because that's a constitutional right. If I want to go in and demand a trial, I mean, due process is a thing. Cop can't just write you a ticket and then you have to pay it. They have to allow you due process. Right. Yep. So I say do it, show up, point out you got to waste everybody's time. I feel like if everybody is on board with that <clears throat> strategy, then that, that poor judge is just going to be so sick. Just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Just one person <laughs> after the other, just going in there fighting their $25 fine. And I'm sure some people will put up a good fight in court. So. I would just refuse for the sake of refusing. And and I know what people are saying. They're going. There was an article about um, why people aren't wearing masks, and the guy dove pretty deep. And there's it, it a lot of truth to it. You know, he's, you know some people just see it as uh, an overreach of authority, and so you know the safety of other people doesn't matter to them as much as uh, you know telling authority uh, the authorities they have no business telling them what to do, and yada yada. And actually. That's very true. It's very true. And there's a very timely quote from Sam Adams I want to share with you. And it goes like this. If ye love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animated contest of freedom, go from us in peace. We ask not your counsel or arms, but crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. And may your chains sit lightly upon you. And may posterity forget that you are our countrymen. Meaning... If you think feeling safe is more important than being free, then we hope that history forgets you were ever a part of our community. And I feel exactly the same way. It's powerful. If you want to feel safe, go feel safe. That's fine. But if you think your feelings of safety outweigh my right to live a free life, then I hope they forget you ever existed. Now, I certainly hope they forget you were a part of who we are, because that's not that's not part of, as Adams called it, the animated contest of freedom. That's what we're here to do. It's, a, it's an experiment in self-government. The government doesn't have the right to come in and tell me, hey, your actions may very slightly possibly get someone sick. Therefore, you have to take this precaution. No, I don't. Because let me ask you a question, Micah. What's the difference between mandated face masks and mandated vaccines. Like when the government comes in and says to the new parents of the world, you have to vaccinate your child with this vaccine. You have to put these chemicals in your child's body. Not that I'm an anti-vaxxer. My kids get their vaccinations. I don't really have a huge problem with them. But when the government comes in and says that, that you have to do it, better example, when I go to my doctor now, and they say, do you ever feel depressed? And I say, why? which is my new thing. And they go, we're just wondering. And I go, I'm just not going to answer. The, what's the follow-up? Do you know the follow-up now? I don't. Do you have guns in the home? Hmm. I go, well, I'm not going to answer that. Well, we need you to answer that. No, I'm not going to. Sorry. I have a right not to answer that. We'll be required to ask. Okay. And then I can have certain words for their requirements that I won't say here, but sorry. Not my... Not my 
not my obligation. Okay. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what they do. That is that is where this goes. Mandate the face masks, mandate the vaccines. Hey, by the way, you have an illness that could be contracted from other people. We now mandate you stay home. Yeah, I mean, it's a slippery slope, but I think it's all a logical uh, final step for where they're headed. This is such big, massive government, and I'm amazed at the people that have so easily given in. Amazed. Absolutely. Okay. I know you're going to have thoughts on what happened in Atlanta. Let's take another quick, short break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about murder charges from the black DA against the white officer in Atlanta. This thing is a mess. I smell racism, but it's not from the white cop. And everyone else agrees it's a it's a massive, crazy overcharge. Can't understand how he gets a felony murder charge for what he did. But we'll give you the details, which maybe you've already it's heard. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. We'll dive into it, and we'll talk about suddenly no cops want to work in Atlanta, which is fantastic. And then we'll get into our Voda of the Week. Whoever does the dumbest thing all week, that's our Voda. And that's going to be Brett Favre. We'll tell you why. Coming up next on the Felt Recall Podcast. Welcome back to the Felt Recall Podcast. New episodes available every Tuesday where you can get our raw opinion, unfiltered reviews, and all of the latest news. Find us online at feltrecallshow.com. The blog is live, so you can go there, and uh, we're going to try and update that uh, as often as possible. The first one is up now, the Democratic Charade. You can read a pretty thorough history of racism divided by political party in the United States. I think it's very apropos for what we're uh, facing in this time. And by the way, that blog, not an opinion piece, although it's some opinion, but it's actually based on about four different books, and they're all cited there for you. I'd encourage you to read uh, each and every one if you can. If you can only read one, I think you read David Barton's American History in Black and White. Okay, here we go. Um, As you well know, there was a shooting at a Wendy's in Atlanta uh, about eight or nine days ago. And five days ago, Fulton County's district attorney, an elderly black man, charged the officer in the shooting. Now, both officers have been charged uh, in the shooting of Rayshard Brooks. This is Fox 5 Atlanta. The Fulton County District Attorney's Office has decided to file charges in the deadly shooting of Rayshard Brooks. Uh, at a press conference last Wednesday, DA Paul Howard announced the former Atlanta police officer Garrett Rolfe is facing 11 charges, including felony murder, multiple counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, first-degree criminal damage to property, and two counts of violating uh, his oath as a public officer. Uh, The other officer on the scene, Devin Brosnan, has been charged with a count of aggravated assault and two counts of violating his oath of office. He's now cooperating with the district attorney's office as a witness. Not true, by the way, according to his legal team. This is what Fox 5 Atlanta is reporting. But uh, that's just not the case. Uh, So says his attorney. Brooks was shot and killed uh, after attacking the two police officers, removing the taser from one officer's hand, and then trying to use it against the officers. Now, the law allows, by the way, that if an officer believes during the commission of... So if you commit a felony in the presence of an officer, 
and then the officer perceives you as a threat to himself or others in the vicinity, he's allowed to shoot you and kill you, even if you're fleeing the scene, if he believes you still pose a threat to him or the public. So in this case, Rayshard Brooks had a taser. He had fired it at a police officer. He had a lengthy rap sheet. They'd been dealing with him for 40 minutes. He had turned violent, and then he turned to fight the officers. He pointed a taser in their direction. He pulled the, tris- uh, the trigger on the taser. The DA says, by the way, the officers weren't really in danger because he missed. The prongs went over the officer's head. So they should have, I mean, they should have thought better, right? They should have right. thought better. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and so he's charging them uh, with felony murder. Now, I believe, obviously, this is a gross miscarriage of justice. And I also believe there's some racism involved here. Absolutely. Here's the thing it's twofold, right? Like, we would have, if it was a black cop shooting a black man, maybe we'd have heard of it. Maybe. Felony murder charges, probably not. It doesn't Probably fit their agenda. Not. Yeah. So you have to start asking yourself, like, at what point do we just give up on these areas? Uh, better yet, the Atlanta police just started calling out. They said, fine, we're not going in. And who can blame them? Uh, th- so the police chief has resigned, right? So she's out because she says, well, I'm white, so I probably shouldn't work here anymore, which is totally what's going on. And now the, uh, the new intern police chief says that uh, the department's rank and file may feel abandoned as officers continue to call out sick. The callouts began last Wednesday after a district attorney announced the charges, and uh, it's now clear, uh, or excuse me, it's not clear how many officers have called out, but interim chief Rodney Bryant tells the AP that some officers are angry, some are fearful, some are confused on what we do in this space. Some may feel abandoned. (laughs) <laughs> no kidding, Sherlock. Uh, but we are there to assure them that we will continue to move forward and get through this. In 911 audio obtained by 11 Alive, there were long periods of silence on Atlanta police radio Wednesday night. Now, Micah, let's just say you're a cop, right? Okay. Uh, let's say whatever it is you do in life, uh, you find out tomorrow that in so doing your job, and doing it, by the way, in the way you're trained, and doing it, by the way, within the confines of the law, Right, you could potentially, realistically, very likely be charged with felony murder. You you going into work tomorrow to make your thirty five grand a year? That's a tough one, you know. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> you know. First reaction, no. But same time, you know, there are still people out there that do need the police. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however much the media, you know, tries to make them look absolutely terrible you know it's a tough choice for you know the guys calling out and you know the the officers that still are showing up for their shifts and everything and you know the game has changed for the officers that are still on shift because now they're they're going to be second guessing every move they make if they get in a life and death situation right they're not going to be thinking about okay you know my life here, they're going to be thinking about, oh, crap, am I going to get murder charges for doing the right thing here, for defending my life? Yeah. And whether, you know, I mean, and even if it's a clean shoot textbook, yeah. you know, even if it's which perfectly clean, which yeah. it is, you know, and all the video evidence supports it, you know, it's just that I, I feel, you know, my heart goes out to all these officers that are, you know, still 
still out there risking their lives every single day and night for us. But, you know, there's there's got to be a level of doubt that's going through their mind because if they get in a sticky situation, they, there's just, you know, their training's not going to come into mind anymore. It's going to be, you know, am I going to spend the rest of my life in prison on murder right. charges or do I get to go home to my family tonight for $35,000 a year? Which, you know? in, which in turn puts innocent lives at risk. It does. <laughs> right? Like it, it, it endangers the public even more. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, it truly does. So It's really a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because if they go in and work, innocent lives are now further endangered. I mean, you got, um, you saw the white cop was at, was that Atlanta where the white cop showed up to the call? Yeah. Outside yes, the Wendy's. Absolutely. Yes. And they all I surround him and, yeah. and they basically force him to leave. That's just an angry mob of people that force him to leave. Which wasn't that a, uh, I can't remember what exactly type of call that was, but I'm pretty sure there are firearms involved. In that yeah. Call. It was a shooting. And he's so, doing everything he can to yeah. hang out and help. He's, he wants to help. Yeah. By the way, it was a shooting. No, not a joke. Right. Rioters love irony. There, there was a shooting at the Rayshard Brooks Memorial. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> so let that sink in for a quick second. It's like, we're all here because Chris gave up and hanged himself. Oh, no, that guy just hanged himself over there. The madness never ends. Here's the thing. I want to say this uh, candidly. And it might hurt some feelings, but this is why I've given up all sorts of care about these communities because the idea of snitches get stitches and Black Lives Matter cannot coexist. The community must choose. You either want to cooperate with police so that they can arrest the people who are killing black people in your neighborhood, or you can continue to perpetuate the idea that you should not talk to police officers because snitches get stitches. You can't have both. You must choose. And it's on the community, it's on the culture in these neighborhoods and communities to decide what they want. So if a white police officer shows up to a shooting outside of a Wendy's to help, you cannot run him off. You have to say black lives matter, and you are here to make sure that black lives do matter. And by the way... Go ahead. What what happened in that video where the because <clears throat> I actually just watched it this morning again and uh, where where they were you know shooting him off and everything that is just the most visible clear act of racism right there in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's n- you can't ask for a more clear yeah. example of racism. Yeah, it's like my new calling in life <laughs> to ask these people why. I just want to and know their who, thought and process. Who does. Like, what is going through their minds? Right. When I, I just want to get inside the mind of these individuals and just want to, like, how how do your how does your you know thought process work? It's a it, and, yeah, and and some of these are legitimate gripes, I guess. I don't know what the legitimate gripes are uh, because here's the thing: I can tell you about my. My history, and it's not funny, but I can tell you my history of interactions with police. And isn't it funny how quickly we went from speaking your truth to, hey, that's racist, you're not allowed to say that? Right. Like, right, as a society, <laughs> very recently, we were all like, you must be allowed to speak your truth. So when the Me Too movement's happening, every woman out there is speaking her truth and let her speak her truth. And now the time comes and we're like, well, I don't, I don't think society's racist. Well, then you're the 
racist. You're the problem. Right. Well, well maybe I'm not. So here's I've, I've given up any concern I have. First of all, for the Black Lives Matter movement, which I'm totally on board now. They are a communistic Marxist movement. We now have absolute admission from their founder that that's what they are. And if you think I'm exaggerating, please go to FeltRecoolShow.com, click on our Facebook icon there, and go read it for yourself where this woman says we're organized, we are trained Marxists, and they want the, enti- the just entire destruction of the United States government system and the financial system, and they want a full redistribution of wealth. And that's exactly what you see happening. Uh, they're, they're tearing down monuments. They're out there acting as if you must erase history in its entirety. And really, that's just a way of saying now it's our turn. We're going to tear down everything to this point, and then we're going to rebuild it in our image and the way we see fit. And then we're going to make sure that no one remembers you exist in the first place. And as I mentioned a week or so ago, tearing down the monuments is a way of making sure posterity never knows that the conflict happened and that a resolution was offered. Because if if people know that, then the gripe is, is rather hollow. So there's an article from the Daily Wire that you can go read on our Facebook page where it's a video from 2015 where the founder of Black Lives Matter says uh, Trump has to not be in office. She tells CNN she's on with Jake Tapper, who's, again, here's the media culpable in all of this because they're giving voice to these violent radicals. And she says, quote, Trump needs to be out of office. He's not fit for office. And so what we are doing is, I'm sorry, and so what we are going to push for is a move to get Trump out while we're also going to continue to push and pressure Vice President Joe Biden around his policies and relationship to policing and criminalization, that's going to be important. But our goal is to get Trump out. So their goal isn't to save black lives. The goal is to get Trump out of office. And then she says, we actually do have an ideological frame. Myself and Alicia, the co-founder in particular, are trained organizers. We are trained Marxists. We are super versed on ideological theories. We call for an end to the systemic racism that allows this culture of corruption to go unchecked and our lives to be taken. Okay. Oh, and then she goes on, by the way. National defunding of the police. They demand an investment in their communities and resources to ensure that black people not only survive but thrive. So easy to understand version is... No more police. Abolish the police so we can continue being violent. And then we want a redistribution of wealth so the black population thrives. Not just survives, but thrives. Okay? That's what she means by we demand the investment in our communities and the resources to ensure that black people not only survive, but thrive. Her words, not mine. I'm interpreting for you verbatim what she's saying. So this is a racist, communist movement. And let me tell you this. This is this is another re- Black Lives Matter as I mentioned last time on the on the previous episodes based on a false premise. And we now have to challenge each other when somebody says do you support Black Lives Matter to say the organization or the idea. Right. And then when they go, well, what do you mean? You go, well there's an organization for Black Lives Matter. I don't support the organization. Do I support the idea? 
Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Who doesn't? Right. Like, for God's sake, who is out there saying black lives don't matter? Like, what? what is the group, what is the contingency of people <coughs> who have taken to the streets and said black lives don't matter? KKK? Okay, all-time low. So it's like an all-time low for membership in the KKK right now, right? right. These, these racist organizations, there's nobody that takes them seriously. They're a joke. I remember being young and prank calling the KKK because David Duke lived. We went to David Duke's house one night. You could drive by it. It was the scariest thing. Not a joke. My cousins lived in Lula, Georgia. David Duke lived within, I don't know, a 45-minute drive or so. And you could go buy, you could call the answering machine at his house and you'd get this really racist message. Really racist. And then you could go drive by his house and he had all these yard signs out. And as a kid, like just a kid, you know, and of course this is you're with your cousins who are teenagers and you all just want to make trouble, you know. Yeah. So you're just looking for the fringe elements of everything. But even as a kid, I remember driving by and feeling like it's a sickness. There's an evil there. Like who hates that way? Now, we are probably 25 years removed from those prank calls to him and leaving messages just to irritate him, like not nothing of support ever. It was just right. all like we would yeah. call and irritate, you know? And so uh, we knew then to, to, to hate him for his stance on things. So, so my question is the Black Lives Matter people, there were the people that go, well, why can't you support Black Lives Matter? I do. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Well, I mean, we're just out here to tell you that Black Lives Matter. Great. You're saying something everyone knows. What next? Right. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's all this white guilt. We got all these people now going, well, I feel like I was complicit. And, uh, you know, and here's my favorite thing, by the way. The Christians who are out there going, uh, I feel bad as a Christian that I haven't said that Black Lives Matter. Okay. You need to stop and reevaluate everything in your life. Right. Because if you're in a church every week and you, you've not learned to treat everyone equally and that we've all fallen and come short of the glory of God, you've got a major problem. And, and in fact, it goes on, it goes well beyond whatever uh, inherent racism you've suddenly decided you have, which by the way, I don't think you have, but it does go deep to your, your soul because you somehow never caught on that the whole point of Jesus's message on earth was a, uh, you're all a bunch of screw ups and B you're all the same. You're all the same. You're yeah. right. I, absolutely right. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, those folks are just looking for social brownie points. Hey, there you go. And yeah. That, that's pretty much it. Because, yeah. you know. What a great way to say it. I mean, it, I mean, seriously. I'm, what else What else is there to it then? Uh, hey, guys, uh, did you see, see I posted Black Lives Matter? Because I think they matter. I, just I, I watched out. a video of you know somebody giving their two cents on this whole situation. And, you know, I, I think you may recall, if, you know, I think it was a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, the whole blackout Tuesday, uh, blackout, <laughs> yes. blackout your profile picture on Facebook and support so of Black Lives Matter. And it, yeah. it just, you know, honestly, Chris, that that was honestly a great thing. <laughs> Because yeah. it told me exactly who I need to watch out for on, on my Facebook <laughs> wow. and in public. <laughs> that guy's a racist. That right. guy's a racist. <laughs> it was I, just it was just the craziest thing. I refuse to take part in any of it, and I'm going to tell you why. 
because the day somebody calls me on it, I have my response. And my my response is the life I've lived. And my response is the countless hours I've invested into the lives of black people I know. And, and when someone dares to press me on you didn't change your pr- Facebook profile or you have an opposition to Black Lives Matter, I'm going to say, and yeah. then I challenge you, I will punch the clock against your clock on who has given more of themselves to the black community of America. Now, I'm not saying I've been out in the community rebuilding things, but I am telling you I've invested you in the lives of black people. And- yeah, and, and I don't mean, by the way, monetarily, right? <laughs> I mean through mentorship, through professional programs, through as much as I can do for people I love and care about. There's no, look, social media is nothing more than our way of bragging. Right? Like, we're all stuck inside. We all want everyone to know how special we are and how smart we are. I told my wife the other day, we were talking, I said, um, she made a comment about, like, I just don't understand people that get on social media and just argue, argue, argue. I say, yeah, well, I used to do it. Like, I do. I remember. Like, I went back to my, you ever gone back and read your Facebook statuses? Yeah, and then right. you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> right, yeah, but, like, what was wrong with me? <laughs> right. I did that once. I did it once, and and frankly, I was very ashamed. I was like, man, if, if I didn't know me in real life, I'd probably think I was just a really, really rude person, like just a bad guy with a chip on his shoulder about something. But really, some of it was sarcastic, but some of it I thought, you know, this will change someone's mind, but you're not changing anybody's mind. And so I feel like we've we've kind of had this uh, evolution of social media. So social media, you tell me if you if you disagree, but so in my, in my life, I was moving around. Uh, I lived about five hours away from anybody I actually knew, right? And going by a different name, so that's weird. And and nobody knows you knows you. So for me, social media at its infancy was a a promotional tool because I was in the radio business, right? And my so MySpace comes out, and you can put all your different uh, radio bits on MySpace. You can set up a page like you're a band. Instead of uploading songs, I would upload bits like from the radio, right? right. And different fun things we did. And then Facebook comes along, and you got to be in college to get a Facebook page, and then you don't have to be in college. Now anybody can have it, so then I was able to get it. And then all my family gets on Facebook. And the whole point here is I'm moving around the southeast, taking these different weird jobs, and it, it was a way to be connected with people I cared about. Now, years later... It has evolved into nothing more than a bully pulpit for people who want to push other people around and almost like a way of identifying who deserves the scarlet letter, right? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's digging through to see what everyone posted years and years ago. And I'm going to tell you something. Firsthand, uh, there are people, it's an amazing thing. If you go back and you read your Facebook and you look at it and you go, man, I wouldn't post that today, right? Because we we progress as people. We naturally evolve as people. We learn new ways of thinking, new ways of approaching. We're constantly maturing. Right. At least most of us are. And we would hope, right? You're exactly <laughs> right. No, that's exactly right. We hope so. We like to think so. And wouldn't you say, Micah, that if... So we asked you at the beginning, you know, we did our one question five times. If, if you had to tell 18-year-old Micah something at 26, what would you tell him? And you can come up with a nugget of some sort, right? But wouldn't you agree that just in eight years, you feel like a different person? Oh, absolutely. Right? There's nobody's going to disagree with that. Even, the, even within the past year. Do you think there's anything wrong with saying that's the same way everyone feels? 
that you just change. So why isn't that same... uh, Why isn't... What's the word I'm looking for? Why isn't that same grace given to the country as a whole? We're stuck on things that happened under the tenure of people who are dead. They're dead. You're absolutely correct. And they had no influence on those of us who remain. None. All right? And so you've got a generation of people. I'm almost 40 years old. I'm 39. I'm knocking on 40's door. I can never, ever, ever recall a time where anyone ever tried to influence me into believing that black people were in any way subordinate or less than white people, ever, ever. Are there cultural differences? Absolutely. As I've said before, white men don't call each other brother just because we look alike. Right. But black men do. And I don't have a problem with it. That's their culture. That's what they do. I Okay. I don't know why they do it. But they do it. So good for them. Fine. But it's a cultural difference. People are different. Cultures are different. There's a different culture in the black community than there is in the white community. Does that mean that the numerous black neighbors I have, I feel like I can't be a part of their lives in some way? Like we take walks together. My kids ride their bikes while they walk and we talk. Like, yes, you can have cultural differences. Yes, you can be different people. But by acknowledging those things, it doesn't mean we acknowledge any sort of you're lesser than me. It doesn't mean we're trying to say you uh, you don't matter as much as I matter. So all of this is a long-winded way of saying, I think at a certain point, we have to agree that the Black Lives Matter organization has to be exposed to what its ends are, what they're looking to do, which is a complete teardown and breakdown of the American fabric. They're just trying to, to, to divide. That's that's basically it. Absolutely they're, right. Their their ultimate agenda is, and what they're doing is the exact opposite of what they are encouraging. Yeah, so. exactly. Because, again, there's this brilliant video on our Facebook page. Please, please go see it. This uh, lovely, lovely black woman, and it's so funny, man. I'm, I'm, su- I'm such an opponent of white guilt. White guilt is racism. If you feel guilty for for being white because of your inherent racism, it means you've bought into a racist ideology. You cannot say that there is something true about someone simply because of the color of their skin without employing racism. It's exactly what that is. It's exactly what racism is, is the idea that something is true about someone simply based on the color of their skin. There's a wonderful video that you must go watch on our Facebook page of a black woman who is out in the street with her phone pointed at herself, and about two minutes in, she turns it on the crowd. And she is yelling at the crowd for being hypocrites, for not caring about black lives. She tells them go to the ghetto where they keep killing each other. She reminds them that black people exponentially kill more black people than anybody else. And by the way, that's true for every race. 93% of the time, if you're murdered, 93% of the time, the person that kills you looks like you. Okay? Just so you know. And by the way, if you want to be really terrified, mostly a relative. Somebody you knew 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. out, Micah. Uh, anyway, the statistics tell us that 93% of the time, the victim knew the killer. And more often than not, they looked like each other. Okay. And you go into violent uh, felonies, and it changes a little bit. It changes. But her point is, go to the black community, tell the black community to stop killing each other. She's a black woman. She's a black woman. Go to the black community, tell the black community to stop, stop killing each other. Tell them, tell them, tell them. She turns the camera around. It's a bunch of freaking white people. It's a bunch of white people just standing oh, there yelling at her that black lives matter. I don't see a single black person on their side. It's a bunch of white millennials who are out there causing trouble. And that is what Black Lives Matter as an organization is. A bunch of white millennials feeling bad about being white because they've been told they have to feel bad about being white, which is a racist concept. And they're out there shouting down black women. This is the second time. The first time, if you remember, there's a black immigrant that did it in D.C. Now you have a black woman, not an immigrant, as far as I could tell. And she's telling them, go to the ghettos, go to the ghettos. And they, and they just shout her down. Because, by the way, their goal is to convince everyone to think the way they demand they think. So to see a group of white people shout down a black woman and tell her to think the way they demand she thinks, there is no greater example of racism on the internet right now. It's definitely not the Rayshard Brooks shooting. I agree. But that right there is. Okay, we got one more segment in us, and that's going to be our Voda of the Week, where Brett Favre compares Colin Kaepernick to Pat Tillman. This should be good. I mean, if there's a dumber person on the planet today, I'd like, well, Joe Biden. (laughs) Outside of that, I'd like to hear about it. Brett Favre, you moron. Absolute moron. We'll come back and talk about that next, right here on the Felt Recall Podcast. This is it, and then we're done. Felt pretty cool podcast for this time. Episode number 102. Micah, thanks for being here. Thanks again for having me. Looking forward to big things. We demand big things because um, otherwise you're fired. Easy enough. Lovely. Um, <laughs> can you fire someone you don't pay any money to? Mm, interesting. We'll find out. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, as often as we can, we try and do a Voda of the Week. If you don't know, uh, Voda Consulting is a moronic firearms consulting firm uh, led by a man with a fake accent. I do believe it's fake. Uh, he calls himself Lucian Black, and he gives really bad advice about firearms and uh, how to use them. Anyway, so when we find dumb people in the world every week, we try and do a Voda of the Week. Many a dummy has graced the airwaves as our Voda of the Week. This week, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised with our Voda of the Week uh, because his, uh, the, the segue Brett Favre did as an NFL Hall of Famer to renowned actor in There's Something About Mary <laughs> and Levi Jeans commercials <laughs> really made me believe that maybe... Maybe there was a higher IQ in his brain than a turnip. Turns out, I was wrong. From Breitbart.com, Brett Favre. I have trouble believing this is true. So let me just say at the outset, I call 
hopefully not true. Maybe this is an onion story that got picked up and is being spread around, and I'll have to come back later and apologize. I would be happy for that. Brett Favre has compared Colin Kaepernick to Pat Tillman, saying, quote, I assume hero status will be stamped. Probably not the words to use. Some when very aggressive sla- verbiage. Yeah, I mean, slavery is kind of like the thing we're all mad about. He's saying Kaepernick's going to be stamped. That's like really close to branded. Probably yeah. wouldn't have gone there, but I'm not Brett Favre, the idiot. Anyway, Brett Favre says Kaepernick's decision to forego his NFL career. This is what's great to me. His decision to forego his NFL career. He was like third string for the 49ers, and they're acting like he gave something up. He didn't have anything to give up. He couldn't find work. It's like an unemployed, like a guy who was barely struggling to make it at McDonald's finally gets let go, and he's like, I could have been the greatest fry flipper of all time. Nobody gave me a chance, so I took a knee. <laughs> this yeah. one, and this one hurts, Chris, because uh, my family and I—we are—we're big Green Bay Packers fans. So this one, this one, this one, you know, hurts. This is a, a deep more. gut. Yeah, this it's is a deep a, gut. It's pretty disappointing. So, All right, would you be able to read it? Or are you gonna? Oh, I've you're read gonna it. Tear up. I've read yeah? it. I've, I've, I, I cried earlier before we started recording. So we're good. <laughs> Favre says Kaepernick's decision to forego his non-existent, I added that, NFL career in order to continue his anthem protests and social justice movement is a sacrifice in league with former NFL player and Army Ranger Pat Tillman. Further, Favre believes that eventually Kaepernick, like Tillman, will be thought of as a, quote, hero. In a recent interview with Gossip Rag TMZ, the former Packer legend went in-depth on his reasoning for believing that Kaepernick deserves heroic status for his protests and his movement, saying, quote, it's not easy for a guy his age, black or white, Hispanic, whatever, to stop something that you've always dreamed doing and put it on hold, maybe forever, for something that you believe in, Favre explained. I can only think of right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman is another guy that did something similar, Favre said, and we regard him as a hero, so I'd assume that hero status... We'll be stamped with Kaepernick as well. Pat Tillman, by the way, walked away from a multi-million dollar deal within St. Louis Rams to become an Army Ranger. He died in Afghanistan in a friendly fire incident in 2004 while trying to eradicate evil off the face of the earth. Colin Kaepernick, by the way, who was a poster boy for white privilege because he was adopted by white people and given every opportunity he could have imagined, so he could eventually become a millionaire for throwing a football. He walked away from a contract offer with the 49ers at the end of 2016 to become a free agent. And then he found out it wasn't any good because nobody else would sign him. 49ers have maintained that Kaepernick would have been cut at the end of the season for financial reasons. There's also no indication, by the way, that Kaepernick has ever thought about uh, joining the Army and fighting ISIS or the Taliban, like Pat Tillman did. But anyway... He walked away from football. He got a big contract with Nike for taking a knee. See, I'm a big fan of this idea. Anybody who hasn't sacrificed anything shouldn't belittle those who have sacrificed everything. That's why you don't take a knee during the anthem. You stand up and you show respect because you haven't done squat with your life. Professional athletes haven't done anything of consequence with their lives. Large, largely. Like maybe just some people, correct? You know, yeah. Seems for Drew, the most part. Drew yes. Brees. I found out Drew Brees is a pretty decent guy. He's given like millions of dollars to the to the state of Louisiana, right? Yeah. Like millions to the tens of millions. This guy's given to help prop up that ghetto. 
He seems like a good guy. And then you got people like Colin Kaepernick who have never, ever done anything with their lives. The guy who wore socks that depicted cops as pigs on them. Uh, and the NFL let him get away with it. And he took a knee during the anthem to say, well, I'm, I hate America uh, because it's racist and holds black people down. Let me ask you a question, Micah. And I want you, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And just So feel free to go quiet. Just know, Micah, Mike, go quiet for 30 seconds while he thinks of an answer to this question. This is what I can't figure out. Because now, uh, what's the uh, commissioner's name there? Ro- Roger Goodell. Thank you. Roger Goodell, he says he might go out and take a knee, right? In solidarity with the, with the players. Here, so here's the question. Is there an organization that has made more black millionaires in the history of the world? Is there an organization that has created more black millionaires than the NFL? Off the top of my head, no. There's not. What could they possibly be apologizing for? What you're ta- look, you look at the NFL, you look at the NBA. The NBA takes a guy like LeBron James who can God love him. The man can barely form a coherent sentence. He's so ill-educated. Yet he's made millions because of his natural talents. That, by the way, are backed up by really hard work. He's worked hard. He's the American dream. He has certainly most likely sacrificed things in his personal life in order to pursue his career. The man deserves every paycheck he earns. Done. Not a problem. However, LeBron James, with no education, has made more money now than I will ever see in my life. Right as a middle-aged Same. white guy with a college degree, I'll never see the money LeBron James has seen. And you know what? I don't deserve that money. You know why I don't deserve that money? Because I don't have something to offer that very few other people have to offer. Right? My income is based on how many other people can offer what you offer. And that was almost an exact negotiating tactic last time I sat down and negotiated how much I make. I said... Here's what people that do what I do make. Here's what you pay me. And you can either pay me closer to this, or I will go somewhere where they pay the people that do what I do a similar amount to this. And the company I work for was like, makes sense to us. So I got lucky. They like what I do. I offer a service. They know how much that service is worth. Because in my life, in what I do, there actually are a lot of other people that do that and can do that, all right? But I offer a few advantages. LeBron James is in the top 1% of people that can do what he does. So he deserves to make top 1% money. I get it. I get it. Colin Kaepernick, not so much, it turns out. Not at all. Not that great at what he does. So he doesn't deserve to make a lot of money. Um, But point being, NBA, NFL, creating millionaires out of poorly educated, sometimes, or black men with college degrees, very well-educated black men in some instances. But you have the ability to go in black or white with hardly any education and make millions of dollars. What could they possibly have to apologize for? What systemic racism could possibly exist in an organization that, I mean, you want to talk about disproportionate representation. How many black people are in the NFL and NBA versus white people? That's 13. You got black people make up 13% of the population. 
I think black males are 6.6%. It's almost like an even divide, uh, female and male, on, on the black population. But let's just say it's 7% of the American population are black men. Now look at the NFL and NBA, and you tell me there's not a disproportionate representation of people cashing really big checks. Good for them, by the way. Like Absolutely. I said, they deserve it. They're really yeah. good at what they do. By the way, part of their culture. They go out and get really good at sports, and some of them make it really big. Some of them go out and make it really big in the hip-hop music scene. Good for them. Really, really good for them. Nobody's blaming them for doing that. But I take big issue, big issue with any sort of apology of systemic racism uh, on America's part, on the NFL's part, on the NBA's part. But even more so offensive, and let's back up to the original point. Here you have a man, Pat Tillman, so overcome with a patriotic obligation to go over and eradicate the evil that attacked us on 9-11, that he goes over there and he fights and he sacrifices and he's killed in a horrific accident, as we would later come to find out, killed by friendly fire. Who in the world does Brett Favre think he is to equate Colin Kaepernick, a multimillionaire now, who has done nothing to contribute to society with a guy like Pat Tillman. As a service member, is there extra offense on your end? Like, or is it just, eh? Uh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I hope Brett Favre is listening to all the backlash and <clears throat> everything. Just, and I hope he's just shaking his head at this point, just wondering what, 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 and why he did that. You know, just none of it makes sense. I mean, let's, you know, let's back up to the whole taking a knee, you know, uh, during the national anthem when that all that kind of transpired in the NFL 2016 season. You know, at the end of the day, Chris, you know, you, you're just asking why are people doing this and, you know, what type of systemic racism you think there is. It, it, there's not. It's just based off of money. Yeah. It, it really is. It was a moneymaker for the NFL, and that's what it all boils down to. That's why that's, Ro- right. that's why Roger Goodell is considering doing this. That's right. Um, it's because it's all about money. That's yep. all. That, that's all they truly care about, and you know, yeah. Colin and Kaepernick was the, the man had some talent with him. He would not be in the league if he didn't have the talent to back him up. Okay, I get that, but you know, uh, for Brett Favre to sit there and say he walked away from a, you know, he he's basically saying that Colin Kaepernick made the same sacrifice as Pat Tillman did, which is absolutely yeah. incorrect and disgraceful to every degree I can think of. Um, no, Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion, in my opinion, he had cost the league a little too much money at that point, and so he was forced out. Yeah, because I can believe that. Let's, let's think about it, okay? Between all the, between all the. Um, avid, you know, uh, NFL lovers out there that were burning their jerseys and returning them. You know, the NFL realized, they, the league started realizing they were losing money mm. from something they thought they were going to make more money off of. That's true. Okay? Sure, I could see that. So, in my opinion, no, he didn't walk away from a multi-million dollar contract. I mean, I mean let, but- let's, let's be real. People don't do that. People don't walk away from multi-million dollar contracts to do the thing that you absolutely love and that you've worked your entire life to do. Right. People just don't do it. Just It doesn't matter what cause. And okay. he th- but, it, but it sounds like he thought but he was are, better than he was, right? Exactly. Was he any good? You follow sports more than I do. Was he any good at what he did? From what I've heard, he wasn't. But I don't know enough. 
I don't you know. know I, I, I do remember the one game where he just shredded the Green Bay Packers defense, and that hurt in the playoffs. <laughs> um, back That's in, why yeah. you hate him. Uh, yeah, my, one of many reasons. But, <laughs> you know, the, yes, the man had talent, okay? So for him to walk away from a multi-million dollar contract, no, he was forced out of it because he was costing the league too much money at that point. And for Brett Favre to sit there and compare that to Pat Tillman's um, sacrifice and his situation is absolutely disgraceful. Pat Tillman, um, which, by the way, it's not like Pat Tillman joined the Army, went through the Ranger Assessment Program, graduated, earned his tambourine, and then went to Afghanistan, and then came back to the U.S. looking for work in the NFL. It's not what happened. Right. Okay. Colin Kaepernick has been looking. He has been trying. He has even looked at leagues in Canada, which I don't know who follows football in Canada. <laughs> right. Like, nobody does. Don't go anywhere at this point. Exactly. Okay, so the situations are <laughs> both very, I mean, it's they're both very different. But, yeah, Brett Favre definitely uh, earned the vota of the week medal with this one, for sure. Didn't, um, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't the NFL allow Kaepernick, like, a, a workout and a bunch of teams agreed to show up and then he backed out of it, right? Like he wouldn't yeah. agree to the rules of it. Yeah. So I believe this happened about a year ago. Um, I believe they had decided on a stadium for him to show up yeah. and for him to basically go through what is these, um, what is the selection where they, uh, like a combine or like something. combine. Yes. Yeah. Basically, a. uh, yeah, a mini combine for him. Okay? Just him. Just him, okay? Segregation. He was able to bring his own party of wide receivers. Uh, he, he was able to do everything, okay? Mm-hmm. They had agreed on a destination. Well, guess what? He didn't show. It's not that he didn't show. He changed the destination himself. Oh. He changed it to a different location because he wanted people to follow him. <laughs> okay. So, and then he was surprised and wondered why no teams picked him up after that. Okay, so it's it's already bad enough that one, no teams really want you. One, because you're just simply bad PR. Right, know? right, yeah, yeah. And then two, yeah, you're not the best quarterback in the world, so you don't really have much of a leg to even stand on to begin with. Okay, yep. and then for you to just really just go and pour salt in the wound um, there, and then wonder why nobody wants you. I mean, come on, man, you're. Man, that's an idiot move. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. To compliment your point, by the way, I was. Um, it's worth noting the Nike thing because Nike signs a contract and everybody gets mad about Nike signing on with Kaepernick. Yeah. They pay him a million bucks to take a knee, right? However, I don't know how many Nike products you own at 26, but at 39, I could count on one hand the last number of times I've actively bought Nike apparel or footwear. But young black men buy it in droves. Young black men love Nike. They love their Air Jordans, right? And that's yep. just that's just the way the demographics break down. And my point is not about young black men. It's actually about Nike as a company. Because now what, what happened for Nike that was so perfect from a marketing perspective is Nike gets to walk in and they go, okay, we're going to sign with Kaepernick and we're going to sign a deal. We'll give him a million bucks and we'll do mm-hmm. a campaign but they already knew. They knew going in, 60-something percent of our core consumer are black males between the ages of 18 and whatever age, right? Like, I, And I'm, not, I'm, I'm making these numbers up. But they knew 
And it's fact that a large portion of Nike's consumer base are young black men. And so it was a definite capitalization on, on the events of the time for Nike to go, yeah, we side with Kaepernick. And then Nike's sales went through the roof. Oh, they just Through sky, the sky roof. And everybody wanted to go, ah, ha, ha, Nike shares are falling. Nike shares are falling. Sure, sure. Middle-aged white men with a stock portfolio might have dumped some Nike stock, and it might have taken a slight hit, but that doesn't mean anything to Nike because their their sales were going through the roof, through the roof. So, by the way, that's exploitation. It's very genius. It's very shrewd, but it's exploitation of the black community, and they never even realized it happened. They they ran in droves to buy the gear and the apparel. Right. No it's clue. all quote-unquote for the right reasons. You got you know? that right. It's a win-win yeah. for Nike, man. They made buku bucks. Uh, yeah. They were able to... I was talking to a friend the other day that's looking to start a business, and uh, I was just pointing out what we all know. People love to do business with a business that has a cause. So if right. your business can have a cause, if your business has a story, if they have that thing, and when people feel like, I spend my money with them, but they do this, people feel like they do this. Right. So if your business says, man, we build schools in Africa, like the people I buy my leather products from, right? They'd literally go over and build schools in Africa and they have kids they sponsor over there and they go visit them multiple times every year and they put updates up. Then I want to do business with them because I feel like I'm helping do good uh, by proxy of buying their product. Right. Point being, that's what Nike did, capitalized big time. So uh, Colin Kaepernick is an idiot. Brett Favre, bigger idiot, and he's our vote of the week. I agree. Appreciate you hanging out, Micah. Thanks for having me. You'll be back next week. I will. Because, like I said, Patrick's fired, or he's traveling. I don't remember which one is true. We miss him already. Uh, We do miss him. Uh, Do we? (laughs) No. Man, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice. Uh, But I'm also trying not to lie. Trying not to lie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Patty will come around at some point. Micah will be here occasionally. Appreciate you hanging out, buddy. Uh, New episodes of the Felt Recall podcast can be found every Tuesday morning wherever you like to get your podcasts. And wherever that is, do us the favor, please. Leave a review, rate it, and subscribe. Tell a friend. We'll love you for it. We'll come back next week with another fresh episode of the Felt Recall podcast.